Is there anybody that was there that you're willing to say should not be back in a, in a Trump senior, in a, in a senior role in the Trump White House? I'm not so sure they'd be that excited about coming back. Because here's why. I think this next time is going to be like Stalingrad every day. The administrative state is clearly with look, charging Trump with 700 years in prison, trying to strip his business away. They are going, they're so deranged, oh, yeah. going to such levels, which is only helping him politically. But people have to understand, that's not gonna stop on election day. You're gonna be like in Saigon during the Vietnam War, <laughs> right? There's gonna be, there's gonna be, there's gonna be stuff happening all over of people inside the wire. All right, folks, it's Friday. Uh, some of you may be listening to this today, some of this over the weekend, but I would buckle up, sit back and relax because this is going to be one heck of a show. Steve Bannon is going to join me for the full show to break down not only what we did in 2016, but who's MAGA, who could be a good vice president, who shouldn't come back. A lot to get to with Steve Bannon. Uh, you are going to really love this. As you know, Steve ran Breitbart for a while. He was the chief strategist for the 2016 campaign. And then he came into the White House and was the chief strategist there. Uh, a lot to break down with him about where we are, what needs to happen going forward, who's good, who's bad. Oh, we're going to hit the whole naughty and good list. But this time it's not Santa, it's Bannon. Steve Bannon, always good to see you. How you doing? Hey, Sean. How you doing? Are you commander? Are you captain now, Rear Admiral? Oh, that's a whole nother discussion. Okay. Uh, still a commander, but uh, we'll, we'll talk offline about that. Okay. Um, I want to get into a lot of stuff today with you, but I want to just take you back for a second for 2016 before we we move ahead in the future. Sure. When you look back at the campaign and the especially those first few days of the White House, knowing what you know now, what do you think we did really well and what would you do differently? It's a great question. Never thought about it. Um, I thought what we really did well is obviously in a comfort behind victory. We kind of pulled it off, as you know, with what, 15 people <laughs> in <airplane laughs> and a can. I mean, there was nobody. And I think the lesson, and I think that lesson you see in what Heritage is doing and what Russ Fote's organization is doing is that you got to prep, uh, you know, the 3,000, uh, you know, the 3,000 folks you can put in right away. Uh, to land on, you know, the beach landings that you don't need Senate confirmation or the 4,000 right. you have, 3,000. I think it's to get those trained up to, and all be in sync on policy and get the best people you can. You don't need actually the best and the brightest. You need the best that are available that understand what the program is. And I think President Trump and I think what we didn't do, uh, Sean, in hindsight, is maybe be hard enough. I mean, it's some of these, you know, like building the wall and, 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 and the deportation stopping that we now know that those things you have to do with a certain a sense of urgency and focus and toughness to make sure that they actually take place. So I think that's the lesson I learned. You know, it's I funny that a lot of people are working on it. You know, huge teams now are working on it. So tell me if you agree with this or not. I, I sort of had this feeling, okay, we won. You guys may not like us, but you have to execute the president's agenda. And I think as we saw the years go by, we realized a lot of these people, both some of actually that were appointed by the president, but a lot of folks that are part of the administrative state basically said, no, we're just going to wait you out. You think that's fair? And that's why we need to make sure that the the, the 3,000, 4,000 people that would staff a Trump administration would come in and understand you may not be the smartest guy in the world, but you, you understand the mission. Remember what we used to call it was the nullification project. I mean, it was only later in the development of, of Russiagate and the, and the House hearings and the Nunez report, we realized the depth of it. 
But you're absolutely correct. I mean, they they tried to stop Trump winning the presidency, but then it was to nullify the presidency. And I've never been one to throw around the term deep state loosely, but the administrative state, this fourth branch of government that feels they're impervious to elections. They clearly, that's what I mean. I don't know if we were tough enough and I don't think we understood the depth. And I agree with you. You would think that, look, you know, anytime a president of the Oval Office says to do something, there has to be follow-up. There has to be people on it. But as you know, uh, the very first weekend that you were there, we did those phone calls. The things were leaked to the Washington Post, which had never happened in history. And you were a naval officer and knew about security clearances. We actually did phone calls with, I think, the president of Australia yeah. and, uh, and the president of Mexico on that Sunday afternoon. And they were in the New York, I think they were in the Washington Post front page on Tuesday morning. The transcripts had been leaked. And so I think that that level, I don't think anybody was prepared for the level that the administrative state would say, no, we're still running the government. And yeah, but, but the thing is, I thought it was more than the administrative state. There were days in which you know as well as I do, the president would make a decision. Then you talk to some of the people that were, were appointees that were sort of like, well, we're not going to fully execute that. And mm -hmm. I think that's why, to your point about these projects that Russ Vote and Heritage and, and America it, First are leading. A lot of people, yeah, a lot of people that, uh, that, were appointed by the president, brought in by the president, just sat there and goes, no, that hasn't been thought through. We've got another way to do it. All right, guys, are you tired like I am of testosterone booster products that just don't work? Um, that's why I've got a great idea for you. If you try our sponsor, Nugenics Total T, you will get a sample. You get to try before you buy. That's the beautiful thing about Nugenics Total Tea is you get a complimentary sample when you text 231231 and the keyword Spicer, 231231 keyword Spicer. Nugenics Total Tea Testosterone Booster has Testafin, right? That will help you turn back the clock to help you bring out that younger you. Uh, but don't take our word for it. That's the beauty of like what I'm saying. Text 231231 keyword Spicer. You get a complimentary bottle and you get to try before you buy. Uh, you've got nothing to lose. All, everything to gain. Uh, and you can now go do this and get a complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total Tea. When you text the word plus, you get Nugenics Thermo X. That is their best, newest, most powerful fat incinerator ever with key ingredients to help you lose stubborn fat and get lean fast, especially around the holidays when we're maybe putting on a little extra because we're out a little more. Nugenics Total Tea can help you if you add that in. Plus, you get that bottle of Nugenics Thermo X. Such a great word right now. 231231 keyword Spicer. Remember that texting enrolls you into recurring automated text. Consent not required to purchase. Message and data rates apply. Number one doctor recommended brand by primary care physicians based on an independent survey by IQVIA 2022. Just for your audience, there's 4,000. So the federal bureaucracy, I think, is um, 2.1 million people. You got another couple of million in the military. So it's about 4 million. But then you've got, don't remember, you got 16 to 18 million contractors. So right. the entire apparatus is about 20 million people. Your political appointees are 4,000, of which 3,000 can go day one, don't need any confirmation, and another 1,000 the Senate confirm. You have to have those 3,000 ready now. And that's why I think- So, but the, the funny thing, Steve, is the president, according to a, a statement that his team put out, Susie Wiles and Chris LaCivita, said, hey, nobody is acting on my behalf. And I don't think that that- Russ or Heritage or any of those folks are acting on his behalf. They're just sort of saying, we'll do the spade work for you. Do you think that President Trump appreciates and understand the work that's being done to not say you have to hire these people, but these people are ready for you? I'm not sure he understands right now. You know, we keep a copy of the book right here in the war room. 
of the heritage. You know, the, they break it down by each policy sector and actually have in-depth analysis. It's pretty impressive just early on as a starting point. I'm not sure he's been fully briefed on that. I, I think that comment and even the comment, you know, Tucker gave an interview to uh, Axios talking about names. And I think that's positive because I sit there and go, look at the quality of people that want to be associated with President Trump. Look at the quality of organization like Heritage and CRA and the level of depth they're doing. I think it's a positive thing. And I think I do too. I think the more you put those policies out, the more it attracts people. We're not trying to play hide the football here. President Trump's very upfront. I don't, I'm not sure he's been fully briefed on what those are. And that's why I kind of dismiss it as uh, these people are not saying that what the administration's policy is going to be. They're getting people ready with a policy set that's very much in line with MAGA and America First. I think this is the most significant development we've had kind of post uh, post uh, Trump's, um, uh, you know, the stolen election of 2020, and now where we are and in going into 2024. I think it's the most positive thing I've seen of everything. And obviously, President Trump's leading and some great stuff in the campaign. But this shows you that there'll be a real... Uh, angle of attack when we get back to the White House. Yeah, I, I agree. I think people don't fully appreciate what you walk into on day one. And having a bunch of people walk out and say to you, okay, this policy is fully developed. This policy is fully developed. Here are 100 people that are willing to help you to, to be part of your army and to, to salute and say yes. Uh, you don't have to hire them. You don't have to hire every one of them. But just know that they've been vetted and that their support of your agenda is crucial to executing on that agenda. Well, let's look, go back. Look, you're, you're coming out of the Pentagon. Let's just think the, the, the Obama tried to do the pivot to Asia. I mean, we were very open in this in the transition. He tried to get out of CENTCOM and pivot to Asia, they were able to forward deploy one Marine brigade to Darwin, right? That was the pivot. Now, a lot of that's because Joe Biden and she were cutting deals. But President Trump really wanted to make the center of gravity really this, this confrontation with the CCP in the South China Sea, around Taiwan, that we're going to have the free navigation. You realize how complicated that is. The, the Pentagon is such a vast bureaucracy, right? And I'm not saying these people are ill-intentioned. Ill, Ill it's just so massive. It's like turning around 20 aircraft carriers. So you have to have people that go in. Obama failed. He was up front. He, was fa he failed to do the pivot of Asia because the Pentagon for 20, 25 years was so CENCOM-centric, right. right? So Middle East-centric. And that, you, you know, and that's just one example. Don't even talk about Treasury or DOJ or the intelligence services, or particularly uh, the financial and, and economics. So, no, we have our work cut out for us. And here's the thing I fear is that we're so far off track as a country on the economy, on capital markets. The Trump tax cuts come back due the first month he's there. The 2025, whoever steps in there, right, President Trump or, or someone else, it's going to be just a firestorm for whoever is the next president. I mean, just let's just stop right there for a second. You said President Trump or someone else. Look at the political landscape as you see it right now. I mean, here's here's how I see this. If you don't beat President Trump in Iowa in the primary right now, then it's over. I mean, I, I just I've said this before. He rolls through this thing. It's over. Um, and then in the general, obviously, we got to play that out. We can talk about that later. But I mean, he's leading in the battleground state. So do you I, I just to be clear, when you say that, do you see anybody right now in the field, in the primary field that could possibly beat Trump? No, impossible. Yeah. Okay. I, do, I do. I, but I, the only thing I differ, 
I think DeSantis ends in in New Hampshire in Iowa. I think the big battle this time is going to come in New Hampshire. I think you're seeing all the forces coming back. In so the play this out because so the way I look at this is DeSantis is all in in Iowa. I've asked him, but he says I have to win Iowa. Right now, he's not going to win Iowa, so it's over there. We saw Governor Sununu endorse Nikki Haley. She's got so it's Christie and Haley in New Hampshire. How so? Just tell me, like I I see this as DeSantis and everyone else is out in in Iowa. Haley lives to play another day, assuming she doesn't get embarrassed in Iowa. And then it's Haley and Christie in New Hampshire who lose there. Trump then is, it's over going into South Carolina where he would steamroll everybody. Tell me, do you see any different scenario than what I just laid out? No, I think that her, her, every, all the donors come together and try to mount a, try to have some sort of Pat Buchanan type showing for her in New Hampshire. This shows that there's, that this alternative to Trump has some life force to it. I, I don't think that happened. My fear right. with Nikki Haley is that the donors will give her enough money to stay in through South Carolina, maybe Super Tuesday, to make the argument that she really finished second and deserves to be VP. And as you know, uh, in v- becoming her, uh, Trump's VP can cause a lot of havoc in, in the White House and get back to the same non-America first, you know, the same neoliberal neocon policies that Nikki Haley represents. I think she's running right now and the donors are putting money in, not for any chance to defeat Trump, which I think is impossible, remote to impossible, but to to hang in there and make the case that she's the 15% of the party or the 17% of the party that is are registered voters and Republicans that are not uh, not yeah. Donald Trump fans, and that's what I see. Yeah. I don't, and I don't see him getting defeated by the uh, by anyone that particularly Joe Biden. But I think right. that whole thing's up in the air. Uh, who knows if Biden's going to be there? What's going to happen to Kamala Harris? You've got, you've got Whitmer. You've got Newsom. I having no convening authority on the Democratic side since the Democratic Party officially DNC is not very powerful. I don't know how they remove Biden, but I think these numbers and particularly the cross tabs with youth, with African American men, Hispanic men are getting are bad and just getting worse 100%. every week. I just don't know how they they continue to buy into this thing by the spring that they don't try to somehow make some deal with him. So I think it's, I, yeah, I, I look, I think he's something Trump's could happen to him health wise. Yeah. Do you yeah. think that he, do you think that Biden is the nominee of the party though? I, I just can't see it, but I don't know how they have a mechanism. Right. That's, it's, it's that's, no, it's a convening authority. There's no, to take Al Gore's term, there's no apparatus. The DNC has right. been so eviscerated, right? Cause the DNC and RNC are two different things. The DNC has been so eviscerated there's no group of wise men. There's not there. They right. there's a huge trust me. They're polling and talking about it nonstop. They're totally freaked out. That's where they're putting up this narrative of Trump as anti-democratic because I think they view that if Trump does win, it, they want to go back to 17 and another nullification project where they make it impossible for him to try to govern. All right, guys. Most of us know what it's like to be without power. Sometimes for an hour, maybe a day, a couple days after a natural disaster, a hurricane, a windstorm, you know, whatever. But now national security experts are warning that our power grid is more vulnerable than ever. And they've identified nine key substations, which if attacked, they're saying we could lose power for months, months. That's why having your own solar power is more important than ever. So I recommend the Patriot Power Generator, which is a solar generator that you don't have to install in your house. It's portable. You can take it with you. You can use it inside your house. And it's powerful enough that if power goes out, we're talking your phones, your tablets, your computers, medical devices, even your refrigerator gets power. So if you go to fourpatriots.com and use code SPICER, you get 10% off your first purchase. It's 
patriots.com includes that Patriot power generator. You'll get a, uh, that guarantee for a year, free shipping if it's over 97 bucks and a portion of every sale is donated to charities that support veterans, right? That's great. So go to fourpatriots.com, use code Spicer, fourpatriots.com. You do not want to be without power in case something happens. I, I agree with you. There's no there's no mechanism right now to get rid of Biden. He's he's the only one on the ballot. They've canceled the Florida primary. And the only thing that could possibly change is that if he voluntarily stepped down before or around the convention, and then it's, you know, it, who it's it's all hell breaks loose at the convention and that quote convening and authority. Tries to- enough, and do they have enough time to right. make a newsome or, or you know, Kamala's still gotta be part of that. Do you, right. do you, let me just let me ask you the, to dismiss this for a second. Yeah. There are people on the Republican side that somehow believe that Michelle Obama ends up the nominee. I think that's nuts. I don't think she ever wants to be the nominee. I don't think that they would do that. They would because you'd have to leapfrog Kamala and Gavin Newsom and Pete Buttigieg, all these people who actively want it. Do you subscribe at all to the notion that any way, shape, or form, Michelle Obama could become the nominee of the Democratic Party? I think it would be extremely remote, and here's why: it's even if the Obamas wanted it and wanted to go back to that lifestyle uh, for the power, for the raw power, uh, I think it would almost, they would have to know it was a, it was a done deal. Right. And I think that any mechanism, since they don't have a mechanism or convenient authority to do it, it would get so messy and so convoluted. Although she's extremely popular with that party and the people that are aligned with those values, it would be, it would be very tough and you would think Trump would have some momentum. I, I just think I didn't know the Obamas who are pretty risk adverse. I think they would say this thing's too risky. We want to I agree. Yep. Not that she doesn't maybe down the road have visions of this. So I never count her out. Now they have, I think from their side uh, on Democrats, some pretty attractive candidates in Whitmer in Michigan and Newsom, obviously as a, as an America first or MAGA, I think they've got grievous weaknesses, but from their side, but there's no way to get it in there. There's right. no, no way. That's no plug that's, and play. That's, that's right. No, you're right. The mechanism doesn't allow for it. That's the point that I keep trying to make people. But let me switch back to our side for a second. Yes. You referenced the Axios story that came out talking about uh, some of the reporting around President Trump yeah. looking at these reports. It mentioned Tucker Carlson as a vice presidential candidate. The fact that Melania Trump really likes the idea. What do you think about Trump's? Let's just start with Tucker Carlson. Would he make a good vice president? I think Tucker make a great vice president. I just don't Why? think well, I I because I think he's got a, a very clear vision of what MAGA and America First are. He he's got a very clear vision of the of the politics of the policies of it. He's savvy in politics. And he's got something that's so important in today is the ability to communicate. Trump shows us more than anything, the ability to communicate those ideas to a mass audience is very important. Now if you ask me, he was a, a likely candidate now. I don't think so because I am I am adamant or not adamant. My thinking is very structured that I believe President Trump will have a female as the yes. Vice Thank you, thank I, you, thank so you. When people pitch Tim Scott and and Carson, who I love, Tim Scott's a good man. Tucker, these are, I said they're all terrific, but I think we got to start looking at that list of ten people that are females, and I think President Trump. So give me that list. Well, I think it's people like, well, this is why I think it's very important for America first to make sure it ain't Nikki Haley because okay. the, because Fox, you know, Fox News was just out the other day when they had the Wal- the Murdoch Wall Street Journal poll that showed her up 17 on uh, on um, on on uh, Biden. They came at the next day and said, gosh, you know, do sitting there. You know, how he throws things. Out. He says, man, maybe she should just run as an independent. So they're <laughs> pushing hard to make sure she's got a place. You have right, to. So- 
You have Let's Christy, go down the list. Christy you know, Nome, yes or no? Christy Nome, I think, will be very competitive. Given her, given her understanding of the MAGA movement, came out of the Tea Party, very close to President Trump. I think you got Elise Stefanik, right? I think you've got um, you, you're going to have some other, you know, Sarah. You, you put Sarah Lake. on that list. Put who? Sarah Sanders. I think uh, Sarah Sanders Huckabee's on that list. Um, or, or Sarah Huckabee Sanders, uh, gov- the governor of Arkansas, is on that list. I think actually Nancy, May, if you take the broader list of women, uh, I think you have. Um, I, I heard what you said. Do you honestly think Nancy Mace, after the thing that she has said about President Trump, you really think that I, I, I poo-pooed that earlier this week after the Wall Street Journal included her in a list. Do you really think that President Trump, I think he is, you know, he's savvy. He understands what somebody brings to the table. He wants someone who understands the role of the vice president, i.e. don't outshine me and you can be ready day one. Do you think Nancy Mace is one of those people? She voted to send me, Sean, to a federal prison. <laughs> She's been on War Room twice. No, I think because of her, I think because of her, look, I'm not saying she's a perfect candidate. There's not a lot of perfect candidates there, right? All right. of them have, have, have uh, some pretty big shortfallings, at least as of now. I think Nancy Mace would have to be included in the list. First off, just her, her Trumpian attitude. She okay. comes at this with a she comes at this with a brashness and a set of titanium balls that's very you know Trump loves fighters right and so I think she's got a devil may care in your grill uh, I think that and particularly in this day and age in this movement a lot of people you know don't trust her because things he said about President Trump in the past some of his stances on social issues particularly abortion and some of the other things but I think she's got to be included in the mix along with uh, Governor Huckabee along with. Uh, you know, along with Governor uh, Nome, uh, obviously Nikki Haley's going to have a role there. I think Carrie Lake could be very prominent. I think Elise Stefanik, particularly as Elise Stefanik, what she's done over the last couple of weeks oh, yeah. on the anti-Semitism and how she's handled herself and comported herself. Uh, I think Marsha Blackburn. I, look, you've got a lot of women. That's a good Kim, one. I would have said Kim Reynolds would have been on the short list. I agree. See, Kim Reynolds, I think, would have been awesome until she Top went five. out on a limb for DeSantis. Top five. Not just out on a limb. It's like a kamikaze mission. What can't you read in the numbers and about the organization and, and no movement? And also this, look, I think Ron DeSantis has been a terrific governor of Florida, and I support a lot of the stuff he did, not just the vaccine. I like the way he went after corporations. It's quite populist. I mean, he went after the corporations, woke and weaponized. Yeah. He really left the school. But it's something about getting a little more water under the bow and waiting. I think he's really hurt himself. I just don't see him as a viable presidential candidate, even in the future with MAGA, just the way this whole thing's gone. And now he's gotten into the personal attacks on President Trump and President Trump's presidency. You're just burying yourself because you're not going to win. You're not going to, you've already stated and everybody stated, you've got in Fox's stated and Carl Rove has stated, you got to win Iowa. You're not going to win Iowa. Right. And so you've staked I, them all there. And that, that's why I think Kim Reynolds, I don't get, because I, I would actually put her in the top five. I agree. I think the I agree. I think governors like Nome and, and Huckabee and Reynolds bring something. Uh, that's why if Carrie Lake had won the governor, if it hadn't been stolen from her, I think she'd have been in the top two or three uh, for the short list. Right now she's running for the Senate. It's a little different, but uh, the female governors have done such a good job. Let me ask you on Carrie, though. Don't you think like to your point, Carrie's been a journalist uh, and a reporter. She didn't win. that. I mean, the point is, is that without any experience, could Trump still I mean, if he were to name her. Would that be problematic that she doesn't really come with any uh, – you're the vice president. You're one heartbeat away. Do you think that that people would buy into that? I think so. I think so because given her – first off, her learning curve, 
uh, that she would be Trump's wingman. Yes, I, I think in her and she's got a, a unique set of attributes. Once again, the ability she's clearly, I think, one of the best communicators. Oh, she's very effective very as effective. a communicator. And think, but and I think President Trump's going to in this. Look, let's think of what the second term is going to be. It's going to be a grind. I mean, you've got geopolitical crises, you have a financial capital markets, economic crises, you have nine million illegal aliens here for deportation. There's so many, I mean, top orders, the president's going to need to give some of those, not just for execution, but also for selling the program. I think pres I think uh, Kerry Lake could be terrific in that. But okay. here's my point. I think you've got a half a dozen to a dozen uh, women who are very viable. Right. Yeah. No, no, I, I think you're it's there's wealth, no it's I, a wealth of it's a wealth of. But I don't see I don't see. Uh, and I'd like Byron Donald's. I like these guys. Tim Scott's a good man. Byron Donald's a great guy. Of course, Ben Carson's my guy. I love him. Tucker's fantastic. I just don't see it being a male, whether it's white. I'm glad you said it, because I, I agree with your analysis 100 percent. There are really good people. All of those Byron Donald's Ben Carson would be great. But there, he need, he not, he he understands how attractive that would be as a national ticket. That being said, that Axios article actually threw your name in the hat for White House Chief of Staff. Any interest to there? Or would you be going, would you willing to go back for any? Sean, Sean, what we saw happen to rights. I mean, the world's I, I know, listen, I get that. That's why I'm asking. No. I've asked people all the time, ask me, would you go back? And I said, listen, I was honored to do it. I'm glad to support President Trump. I would yeah. help him in the agenda. I will not I got, go back and I got a three million, I, got, I paid a $3 million legal bill, I think, on the, just the Russia hoax, right? <laughs> From Moeller and all that. No, um, look, War Room is my baby. That thing's going so well. I, I can't see it. Obviously, President Trump uh, asked. You know how the, how intense it is in there. Uh, number one, we'll do anything to support President Trump, but I, I don't see myself going back in the government. And, let and me, let me ask you this the opposite way: Is there anybody that was there that you're willing to say should not be back in a in a Trump? senior in a, in a senior role in the Trump White House. Well, some of the guys that uh, people like John Kelly and people I thought very highly of that that have turned on the president un unfairly. But no, I, I think Reince is I, I you Reince, the core team that went in at first, I thought was terrific. I thought it was the best run. If you look back on it, I think it's the best run the president had as choppy as it was. And and that's when they come in with Russia Gate and everything like that. We got you got you got so much done or initiated in that first year. You got the tax cut. We took a shot at and it wasn't his fault. It was, you know, McCain in the Senate. You, you really had repeal and replace, right? You had, you got a massive tax cut that 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 set the economy on fire by 19. You really set geopolitically the Riyadh, uh, Jerusalem, Rome trip laid out the thing, and not just that to take on ISIS and destroy ISIS. People forget when we stepped in, Obama had said ISIS is a generational thing. And remember the cal the physical caliphate was bigger than Syria or Iraq at the time. And we took that down. So we won a war. He started to wind down. He, he tried to wind down Afghanistan. He, he set the predicate for the booming economy in 19. Uh, he took, he was taking care of the border. He got restricted on building the wall, but so many other policies that Stephen Miller came up with are working. If you go back the golden year of 19, where it all came together, that was all, it wouldn't happen if that work had not been done in the first month, the first nine months or 10 months of, of 2017 were, were fantastic. And that's why I've always, I've always, as you know, been very close to Reince and a huge fan of Reince. I thought Reince did a terrific job and by far the best chief of staff they ever had. If we had just gotten through that first, that first year and some of the, some of the speed bumps, 
Right. I think it would have turned out very differently because I think Reince had a very calming effect. I think Reince is a decent guy. And the other people he got in there turned out, not, one, not to be good people. And two, not, not to but, really – But don't – I mean like – but part of that problem – in any of his agenda. Do you think – but there's some people that, that I can name that I don't think should be back and nothing personal. They just weren't, A, committed to the agenda. They've turned on him. It's interesting how many people came into that White House and then turned on President Trump and, and weren't – you know, I don't look at it as like a, people all the time talk about loyalty. I look at it like when you're given a job, it's a, it's a matter of trust. Are you going to go in? You're going to advise the president of the United States. You're going to execute an agenda. You don't want to do it. Don't do it. It's a free country. But when you go in and then you come out and you want to make a book crapping all over Trump, that to me, that's, that's, that just, it's, it's, I, I know the word loyalty gets thrown around a lot, but that to me, it just shows what kind of person you well, are. I think also the loyalty was. I'm, I'm not sure a lot of the people that signed up actually believed what President Trump said on the 16 campaign was his actual program. Right. A lot of people thought it was going to be, and as you know, you know, getting out of the Paris Accords, uh, getting out of TPP, really redoing the trade deals. He actually believed uh, what he said. So I think right. I think about I'm not so sure, though, that a lot of the people that you and I can name about shouldn't come back. I'm not so sure they'd be that excited about coming back because here's why I think this next time is going to be like Stalingrad every day. I, the administrative state is clearly with look charging Trump with 700 years in prison, trying to strip his business away, which they're trying to do this afternoon yeah. in New York, uh, trying to take him off the ballot for the first time. They are going, they're so deranged oh, yeah. going to such levels, which is only helping him politically. But people have to understand that's not going to stop on election day. When we win, that's not going to stop them. That just leads up to the second nullification project. And it's going to be even you talked about, hey, you can sit in the Oval and say a lot of things and it just never gets done. That's even in a that's in a presidency that's hitting on all cylinders here. You're going to say that and you're going to have policies like, for instance, the deportation of the nine million uh, illegal aliens uh, that are here. Um, you're going to have leaks all over from DHS. You're going to have leaks all oh, over yeah. from NGOs. It's going to be, it's going to be, you're going to be like in Saigon during the Vietnam war, right? There's going to be, there's going to be, there's going to be stuff happening all over of people inside the wire. All right. If you've been watching the show for a while, you know about my friend, Leo Grill. Leo is the founder of Delta Rescue. You can see all the work he's doing at deltarescue.org. But Leo's story with rescuing animals goes far back. He had rescued a Doberman that was, very unhealthy, very undernourished. Leo brought it in and he now named the dog Delta. And the thing is, it wasn't just out of thin air. Delta stands for dedication and everlasting love to animals. And if you know anything about what Delta Rescue's done, I've told you, go to deltarescue.org. Look at the videos, look at the work that they're doing. It's the largest no-kill sanctuary in the world. If you are an animal lover, you love what Delta Rescue's doing. Um, the thing about Delta Rescue is, I've told you before, all of the great work they do is because of the donations of people like me and you. Five bucks, ten dollars, a hundred, whatever. When you go to deltarescue.org, you can contribute. But more importantly, if you're a real animal lover and you care about the work that these guys do by giving that no-kill sanctuary for life, you can support them by making them part of your estate and helping them make this an enduring mission for Leo and everyone else at Delta Rescue. Go to deltarescue.org, check out that estate planning guide, look at the video, see the work that you'd be supporting, download it and think about making that part of your estate going forward, deltarescue.org. So, so you were the chief strategist on the campaign, you're the chief strategist in the White House, so let me ask you a strategy question. You laid out just a moment ago all of the things that happened and anyone who is, is uh, objective, 
can say very easily when people ask me, why do I support President Trump? You know, why aren't, what about the tweets and the tone and the style? I go, okay, domestically, tax cuts. He secured the southern border. I mean, unemployment was at its lowest. Like, boom, 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 boom. Foreign policy wise, no wars, no invasion of Russia into any territory in, in, in several administrations. You know, China was held at bed. I mean, I can easily. And when I ask someone on the other side of the aisle, tell me something that's good about one thing that happened in the Biden administration, they'll go, well, Trump, Trump. They can't name one positive thing. So let me ask you strategically. The only thing that people have against President Trump, when you ask them, were things better for four years than they are now, is they go to his style, his uh, attacks on other people, right? So from a str purely strategic standpoint, my view is people don't like Biden. They don't want him. His own party is rejecting him. His policies are failing domestically and internationally. So from a purely strategic standpoint, if Trump stuck to the policy and said, this is what I'll do during a second term, this is what I did for you during a first term, and got rid of the name calling, don't you think that would be a more effective and a bigger win? I do not. And here's really, why. Really, why? Because it's not it's not Trump. You get, I get that. No, no, no. no, no. <laughs> I'll, give you, okay. I'll give you that. I cannot believe I'm having this conversation with Sean Spicer. No, 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 no. The reason, the reason I want this though, Stephen, it, it's, it's not that you need to explain it to me. Yeah. I want people, I want you as a strategist to explain it to, to the viewer. Because when I say it to people, it's easy. I, I don't really care about a tweet. I care about... Are, are we making more money? Are, are more people employed? Are we safer? Are, are, we, are we creating a better country moving forward? I, I can do that. I want you to tell people just, why that's not a good strategy. First off, it's not a good strategy because it's not the man himself. You, you, he is what he is. He's a fighter. He's a counterpuncher. He's going to always be on the attack. And he's going to be on the attack personally if you try to come after him. And just, you can't. It, that's so it, it inextricably linked into his personality. Uh, you're not. I don't think you're going to get it out out of there. Now, here's what I think. I don't think actually selling the policy today because I think people either for Trump or against Trump. I yeah. think it's turnout, and I also think the. I think what's helping us most is the lived experience. And I keep saying this on the show that if people under 35 want to continue to live like Russian serfs, not own anything, not, not have a chance to own anything, then they should keep voting for Biden and progressive Democrats and their policies. And now you're seeing their lived experience is so horrible. They can barely make the credit card payments. They're leaving paycheck to paycheck. They can't afford a home. Family formations pushed out into the late 30s, early 40s, that now you're seeing 50% of those people are willing to vote for President Trump because of the lived experience, just like African-American men and just like Hispanic men. Their lived experience is so bad under Biden that they're prepared to actually listen to Trump or want Trump back because they remember the golden years of 18 and particularly 19. And I think that's our strategy. Continue to push. Look, this is not a theoretical exercise. With Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley, it's I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this versus Biden. With Trump, it's very simple. I, I did it. this. This right. is the empirical evidence of my presidency and the way I roll. And this is, you know, against the mullahs and the CCP and Putin and all that. And this is the way uh, this is the way that these guys roll. And if you see Biden and particularly now where he's hugging on Zelensky, who's a total con artist at the same time, he's kicking the Israeli government, uh, you know, uh, under the bus. You're just it's just going to it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. And so. I just don't think you can take Trump's personality and the personality of the fighter uh, out of uh, it, it, in which it's just not going to happen. You and I talked about this a lot. Just to have a pure policy 
uh, discussion, just not him. You, you got to take the whole package. By the way, you know, 45 percent of the nation is just not going to vote for that package under anything. Right. They, just, they just but that's fine. These look 52, 48. We'd win 40 states. We take the House and the Senate. And I think we could be at a 51. I think you could be at a 51, 43. Right. Which is a, you know, a huge deal with a couple of maybe a third party candidates taking the rest. And you could pick up 10 seats in the House, 15 seats in the House, a handful of Senate seats and be right back to um, to 2017, you know, 2016. And Sean, the one thing I think if we go back and look that there wasn't enough real coordination with the House and Senate and particularly with Paul Ryan, knowing that Paul Ryan was not for uh, things, but even what they knew they could deliver. Remember, the right. whole healthcare thing was really Paul Ryan's. I'm not trying to put blame. No, 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 no. I use that as an example all the time. They, we walked in and they said, okay, what's the plan? And they were like, uh, we got blank stares. Yeah, and what they said, but they did say, we'll take healthcare. You guys, you guys take uh, tax Taxes. cuts, economy and infrastructure and, and national security. Trump, like Trump go get ISIS. We've got healthcare. And then you realize they had repealed it 50 times but they had never really come up with a replacement. And so that's one of the things I think we got to start working with right. either Mike Johnson or whoever's at the house, et cetera. And this time when we hit the beach, if we, if we can pick up and I think we can get both houses that day one has to be a coordinated effort of what's going to come up, what we're going to push through and what we're not going to back down on. Yeah. I, I think the president, president Trump needs to fully appreciate. And I think he does now how important the Senate is to his nominees and how important the house is to that agenda. I want to, I want to ask you a question though about MAGA. You brought it up a couple of times and, and America first policy. When you look at a candidate as Steve Bannon and the candidate says, I'm an America first candidate. What does that mean to you? What issues do you evaluate somebody's MAGA-ness, if you will? What makes them? Is it complete loyalty to Trump or is it a loyalty to an agenda? And if so, what's that agenda? What well, are those well, issues? A loyalty to agenda that President Trump personifies. But what I want to see in America first is particularly like when we talk about national security. You know, are you most focused on the sovereignty on our southern border? And I mean real sovereignty. Are you, uh, are, are you also thinking through and support where we need to be in the world and where, where we make a difference in the world instead of just being spread all over hell's half acre. If somebody is a big proponent of these international organizations, a big supponent of giving our sovereignty like the WHO and or NATO is an ally and not a protectorate or NATO, you know, Trump's thing that NATO's got to start pulling their weight on payment and also on interoperability and in exercises so we really can act as allies, then that's America first. People that put that national security of the United States ahead of everything else, and particularly puts not just the country, but the citizens of the United States ahead of everything else. That's why I really think you start to see separate people that are America first or MAGA. There's a lot of people talk about it, but, and, and like, for instance, uh, this, uh, the NDAA right. that, that's coming up. I think the NDAA has got to be shot down. And I realize it's a must pass. The NDAA has got to be shot down because all the woken weaponized that we took out at the, at the committee level is all back in because of the Senate. And I think America first policies are only going to be prominent. And that's where I think we're going to get African-American men, Hispanic men, other people said, hey, this guy, these people prioritize the citizens of this country and the country itself ahead of all others. And it's not selfish. We can't we can't help Israel. We can't help Taiwan. We can't keep the free navigation of the South China Sea if we are not strong and robust ourselves with a with a unwoke a uh, great military that's focused on victory and a robust economy like we had back in 2019. Under so President. just the, the thing that I always find interesting is let's say somebody says to you, Steve, I'm 100 percent 
in, in agreement with every policy that you just laid out, but I have a problem with President Trump and I'm supporting DeSantis. Can they be a MAGA Republican without supporting President Trump? In your I think, opinion, I think I think that's impossible, right? Right. Now. No, not okay. where President Trump is, because even a DeSantis, that's just Trump light. If you're MAGA, you've got to be all in. MAGA and MAGA is MAGA. The Trump movement is is the MAGA movement. And so when you talked about, obviously, that's why in in, in 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 picking a female vice president and also having a cabinet of some of these great guys, have a Tucker Carlson involved and other people like that, a whole nother generation. Right. First off, did you saw come up in this big fight in the House? The Matt Gateses, the Matt Rosendales, these people. You're 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 having a whole new generation come forward there, MAGA. But right now, if you don't support President Trump, you cannot be MAGA. At least in my book, you can't be. So MAGA. when you the other you did an interview probably a couple of weeks ago, and you talked about this this movement is you know you'll you'll look back and I don't I'll, you can quote yourself, but basically you said hey. You're going to look back in the years, and Trump's going to be, you know, mega light or whatever. I mean, like he's he's a just moderate, the, he's, a, he's in the mega movement. He's a moderate. So, but okay, you so know Sean, you know this better than anybody. He's a very kind-hearted guy. Oh, I know. He's a, he's a people think he's something. No, he's actually he's very dis, discernment, but he's he's a very kind person. He's yes. actually very kind, and he has, quite frankly, a very soft heart. I mean, he's 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 a giving person, and people don't see that. The, I agree. The, the movement. I think now is much farther right of President Trump. I would say President so who's, Trump. Who's the future? Who is somebody that if Trump finishes his second term or said, I'm out, who would you say are three people that exemplify the MAGA movement that are the future of the MAGA movement? I think one, Carrie Lake is one of them. I think that, um, I think that Tucker Carlson's one of them. Um, on the on the elected side, I think J.D. Vance, I think Josh Hawley. I think you're seeing uh, in the Senate a, a big turn of these potential candidates coming in the House. You've got the the, the revolutionaries that threw over McCarthy and the and the uh, cartel, and then a lot of people coming up uh, coming up to that. Also, you got the the MTGs of the world, the Nancy Maces of the world. You got the Byron Donalds, right? You, okay. I I see a bench that's growing, and I see people that are coming that are saying, hey. I, I want to no learn more about MAGA because I want to run as a MAGA candidate. Right now, I mean, Kevin is pretty upfront. One of the reasons he's going to hang around the rim with the $17 million is to make sure that he gets more classic Republicans. It's also the reason I think that the debates have been so – it's not just the personalities. It, it's had a false ring to it because they're talking about kind of neoliberal, neocon policies – from uh, really the Reagan era, the Bush era, they're not talking about the lived experience. It's not a populist, right. nationalist movement. And I think that's, but I Listen, think I see I, it all the time. Great, great I got people. one last question for you. You brought up, this is it, but, but you brought up the debates. You and I first met during my tenure at the RNC. We obviously worked together during the campaign. How do you think the RNC is doing right now vis-a-vis -vis its role in the cycle and vis-a-vis -vis Trump? It's terrible. What are you talking about? And I'm so disappointed Dave Bossy, who you know has worked hand in glove with us, and, and Rana. Why, I don't know why we're not like the DNC. We should be focused everything on victory in November of, of 2024. Nothing else matters. And I don't see the, the, the RNC or anybody having the money, the resources around it to put on to make sure we have voter integrity so this thing's not stolen from us. I think the debates have been a joke. I think it's been a waste of money. They've gotten, obviously, they had to go to ABC and all these other places. I think it's been terrible. And I think, look, Dave Bossy and I, uh, we're like brothers and we haven't, we haven't talked in months. And I'm very adamant that I'm super angry 
about these debates. And I, I think it's been a terrible uh, use of resources. There's been, look, these primaries now, Sean, there's going to be $600, $700 million spent at the end of the day. That's three quarters of a billion dollars that could have been used for victory. When it matters, all this other stuff didn't matter. It was all irrelevant. At the end of the day, it's going to end up being irrelevant, except for the donors to try to get a Nikki Haley uh, nose inside the tent. That's what it's all going to come down to. A horrible waste of money, opportunity costs, and time that could have been focused on victory. And the DNC did it right off the bat. They they wouldn't even have a primary, right? That's what we should have done. (laughs) They literally canceled the Florida primary. They canceled. There was no debates. They canceled the primary. They got rid of Bobby Kennedy. They know how to run things. All right, Steve Bannon, I, I I wish you wouldn't have held back this, but um, it's always great chatting with you and catching up. Um, Thanks for being uh, with us. I appreciate congratulations it. Congratulations on the success of the show. Look forward to doing it again and having you on War Room. You bet. All right, folks, what a conversation that was. And I had a list of things to go. A lot of you sent in some things that you wanted me to cover. I hope I got to a lot of the things that you suggested, but... <laughs> That was fantastic. Uh, what a way to end a week. Anyway, thanks for subscribing. Please continue to share this episode uh, on YouTube, on Rumble. Subscribe, hit the notification button on Apple. Hit that five-star review button. Go to Spotify as well. Thanks for everything you do to help share uh, the show and support our sponsors. I'll see you next week. Feel free to text me, drop a comment in. You can find me at 571-441-4991 or join that VIP community, Sean Spicer Show dot com slash VIP. We'll see you next week. Have a great weekend.